Hey there, it's Mortgage Jake, bringing you the Mortgage Ability Podcast for today, March 20th, the day after Christmas, or so we thought, also known as Boxing Day, except we're in March. So really, today's podcast is called Much Ado About Nothing. I am Jake Abramowitz from Mortgage Edge. I'm an agent there. I'm their number one agent there, the busiest agent. I love it. Favorite thing in the world, believe it or not, is doing what I do. Love my job. Can't say enough about how satisfying it is to help people. Working with awesome people, colleagues, clients, referral partners, etc. Enough about me. Mortgage Edge is a boutique mortgage agency, uh, mortgage brokerage, and our license number is MBL 10680 and my Agent number is M0800 3274. You can find me online at mortgagejake.com, Facebook Mortgage Jake, Twitter at Mortgage Jake, and Instagram Mortgage by Jake because the other Mortgage Jake from Hawaii has not yet let me take his URL, ID, whatever you want to call it. Reason that today's podcast is called Much Ado About Nothing is simply because it's my reaction. Around uh, 12, maybe 8 hours, or sorry, uh, about 20 hours after the fact of the budget being released, which we all had such high hopes for, we being the biased mortgage professionals and realtors and people who are trying to help people buy homes. And yeah, we're biased. I get it. Okay, kill me. So what? I want my market to do well. I want to do well because I really believe in what I sell. I believe that real estate is a solid long-term investment. And it has been and it will be. And there are a lot of statistics that may prove that it is as good or maybe slightly worse than the stock market. But it's also somewhere where you can lay your head at night, call home, not be kicked out because of rising rents, raise a family and do all the things you do at home. And there's a lot of pride in that. And we can't quantify that. So I'm not going to talk about renting versus buying. That's not what I'm here for. What I want to talk about is the team of Justin and Bill, Bill and Justin's Excellent Adventure, how they came out with this budget that was supposed to help millennials and first-time buyers, and how they simply didn't give a crap about anybody in where we are, which is 416905, which is Toronto for the most part, which is the surrounding GTA. So let's talk about what happened yesterday. First of all, why did we even need any changes? So we all know two years ago, last year, stress test came in, two types. We all know you got to qualify at uh, 2% higher than your contract rate. Amortizations were limited to 25 years for first-time buyers or buyers with less than 20% down. We know all that. It's all over the internet. You don't need to, you know, you're not, you have, you've been living under a rock. If you have, you can always ask me. I'll tell you all the details about it. But the fact is some changes that happen have dramatically reversed our housing market. When I say dramatically, I mean like sales have literally slowed to a crawl. Prices have gone backwards, which is almost impossible to leave in certain segments. So what happened was the budget was supposed to come out yesterday and there was supposed to be some relief for first-time buyers. Now, why would this budget have relief for first-time buyers, whereas the last two or three budgets that the liberal government or any government would have come up with didn't. And as a matter of fact, it had the opposite. And the reason for that is simple. Elections 2019, October. There is your chance to speak 
out about who you want to be in power. And we have to watch out. We have to be very careful. We don't only vote based on one policy, housing. We have to look at the whole picture. And this is not a pro or anti-liberal podcast. This is a simply agnostic podcast that simply says, in October, if you are unhappy with what you are seeing in this budget, that's the time for you to speak out by voting. So don't be lazy. Don't be an idiot. Get out there and vote. I don't care. I don't want to hear any excuses. Just vote. Now, so they did this because the elections are coming. And when elections are coming, every level of government, every type of government, and every political party needs to say, oh, here's what we're going to do to make your life better. And then the other parties say, oh, my God, that was terrible. This is what we would have done. Take all that with a grain of salt because we don't know if they could have done it because there's a lot of other influencers that would have maybe stopped them. But we'll get to that when those platforms are released. So they did this in order to buy votes. That's what it is. It's not to help you. They don't really care about you, the millennial, first time buyer, barely able to scratch five, 10 percent down. They don't, they don't really care. But they came up with this wild scheme as to what they've done. And here are the schemes. OK, you ready? First one's easy. They've raised the RSP limit that you can borrow against your account to 35,000 from 25,000 for the first time in God knows how long, even though inflation is rising. And, you know, quite frankly, this should have been raised every year. It's now 35 grand. What does that mean? That means you can borrow up to 35 grand from your RSP. And if you are married, you and your spouse can borrow up to 70 grand from your RSP as your down payment, which you have to pay off over 16 years, which the first year is a grace period. Therefore, it's now going to cost you 388 bucks a month to pay off 70 grand over 15 years interest free versus 277 on the previous 50,000 max. So it's going to increase your cost a little bit by putting more down. We can talk about the math individually. If it makes sense to go 70 down, 50 down, it all depends on house price. But this is the first easy to understand change. The second change is easy to understand, but it's hard to understand why they did it. It's called the CMHC Shared Equity Program, AKA the government would like to invest in the housing market. How? Well, it basically boils down to this. If you have 5% down, the government will match your 5% down with their own interest-free loan, sort of, of another 5%. You may have been reading in the press that it's up to 10%. Well, it's only up to 10% for builders, and I'll get to that in a minute. But for resale properties, it's 5% down, will be matched by another 5% with the following caveat. You cannot borrow more than four times income. So if your income is... 120,000, which is their cap. You can't borrow more than four times that, which is 480,000. 120 times four is 480 plus the down payment. So the reality is you're looking at a house price, condo price, et cetera, of maximum 530-ish thousand, 533,000. And now I know any Toronto realtor right now listening to this, and I hope there's a lot of you, are saying to themselves, hmm, where am I going to get a property for my client in 416 for $533,000 or less that makes sense for them to buy? Yeah, there are some properties like this in areas that may need to take a very long time to get better. I'm not saying it's impossible. But the other day I was listening to Andrew LeFleur's podcast and following him on Twitter, one of the best pre-construction dudes in the world. And he said... There's literally zero pre-construction condos at 500,000 or less in the 416. So then 
how are we going to find any help for first-time buyers in Toronto? So now we move outside of this market. So we go to the 905 areas and I did a search and in Ontario, 905, 705, etc. In Ontario, there are 32 cities with an average price of under $500,000. That means, quite frankly, that those cities will be helped by this policy, okay? I'm not gonna name them all, but places like Belleville, Sudbury, London, Kingston, uh, Bracebridge, Stratford, Prince Edward County, Kincardine. Uh, that's basically you know, the, the top level cities that I can see here that are making any sense to me or that I, that I recognize. Cornwall, uh, Timmins, you know, not even Hamilton is on here, which is kind of weird. Guelph, Kitchener, Waterloo, I don't see those on here either. But the average prices are in those cities are under 500 grand. And this is where first time buyers will be helped. But how much activity happens in those cities? I don't know. I haven't done the stats yet. I would venture to guess not nearly as much as in the 416905 area combined, right? So let's talk about how this program will work. So you're going to get a 5% gift from your government. It's not a gift, it's a loan. They're, gonna, they're going to give it to you on closing. The lender will get it directly from CMHC, so now you'll have 10% down. Awesome. If you sell the property, you have to pay back that 5%. Secondly, if the property loses value, then CMHC will lose its investment. Simple as that. So if you have been lent 25,000 on 500 grand and the, you sell the place for 450 grand, you will owe them a percentage that you have lost. Just like if you have gained a profit, you will have paid them back that 5% plus the percentage of your gain. The good part about this program is for that 5% loan, you don't pay them any month per month. So on an extra 25 grand down payment, on average, if $10,000 is equal to 45 bucks a month, that's 95, it's about $100, $120 less, $100 less per month that you will pay for your mortgage. Now, $100 is $100. If I throw a $100 bill on the ground in the middle of Young and Bloor, I would bet you that 99 out of 100 people will pick it up. Rich, poor, doesn't matter what their economic status is, it's still 100 bucks. It's $1,200 a year. You know what, $1,200 a year, not bad, but my daycare bill is $950 a month, so it's not really gonna make that much of a difference. Where I think this program is so stupid, quite frankly, so idiotic, is those areas that I've named, outside of the 416905, outside of the major metropolitan areas, we have seen the biggest decline in housing sales. We've seen the biggest lack of growth. So if the government's getting in on this to invest in the housing market with you, which is partially their reason to doing this, they're not going to make a lot of money if those neighborhoods don't do very well or well enough. And CMHC is a government agency, which we all sort of kind of pay for through our tax dollars. So how is this better than the other proposals that were available to you, to us? Proposals like increase the amortization to 30 years from 25 years. Proposals like change the stress test from maybe plus 2%, percent 
maybe make it plus 1% on five-year fixed terms or longer, where you've got a guarantee five-year, this is your rate, and prove to me you can qualify for more than 2%, 1% higher. Because you know what? Rates have gone down almost three-quarters of a percent since the beginning of the year. So doesn't that stress test look really idiotic? Proposals like increase the cap on the CMHC limit in areas like Toronto and Vancouver, where the average house price is over a million dollars and there is a very good amount of income being drawn, especially by first-time buyers who simply don't have 20% down and are priced immediately over $1 million or more, you can't buy a house. Don't you think that those changes potentially would have been better and maybe easier to understand, easier for the lenders to adopt? Already I've spoken to a bunch of lenders this morning and you know what the first thing I hear is? I don't know if you can hear that, you probably can't. It's them scratching their heads thinking, how is this gonna help me? How much activity do I really do in St. Clair, Brockville, South Huron, Belleville, Greater Sudbury? Yeah, there is a lot of buyers out there and I want them to do well. But in the scheme of things, why are we now excluding Toronto? What's wrong with Toronto? Why do people want to live here? They want to work here. We're trying to invest in transit. We're trying to make the city grow. This is, this is unfortunately for some and fortunately for me because I love living here. Best city in the world. This is one of the best cities in the world. Top five on major lists, economist, quality of life, growth potential, health, safety, cultural, identity, all this stuff. Like Toronto's a great place to live. Vancouver's a great place to live. Vancouver's a whole other story about what's been going on there lately. But in general, why are we excluding the 416 area code? Why are we excluding first-time buyers here who are more likely than not going to buy a condo because they can't afford a house, who are more likely than not going to not be able to participate in this idiotic program. Thankfully, it doesn't start until September. Two months later, we have the election. And maybe if the government changes, we'll see a modification of these tests and rules. Who knows? But I just think, quite frankly, this could do more harm to CMHC than it could help. Now, what I would have done is only one thing. I would have started really slow, just like I started with the stress test. First, I started with the first stress test, which was for only mortgages under 20%. Then I did all mortgages stress tested. I would have done one change and one change only. 30-year amortization for everybody, maximum. That would have increased your buying power by 9%. Now, 9% in Toronto is not bad. Then next year, maybe I would have looked at the stress test, seeing where rates are. If rates have gone down in the last two years, which at that point it would be two years, possibly gone and said, okay, let's change it to 1% over on five year, whatever. There are modifications I would have done slowly. I would not have ever in a million years thought when I turned the TV on, I rushed home from a doctor's appointment. I sat down, had my tea with me and then I see Bill Murnau smiling and this little smug face, smug smile. And he's like, so we're going to announce these new housing measures to help millennials buy called the shared equity program. I fell off my couch, I texting my friends, what the hell is a shared equity program? And as, he, as I kept reading, researching it, then I see it in the budget and I think, what the hell just happened? And so I'm going to leave you with that thought, what the hell just happened? And you know, and I know that I'm biased and I sell mortgages and my, my point isn't to get you into more debt that you can afford. My point is simple. My point is to navigate these changes and help you understand what you can and cannot afford, which is the point of this podcast. And it's the point of my job. But when changes like this happen, I have to scratch my head and think, why did they not do what was in front of them? 
Was it lobby groups? Was it the banks? Was it economists? Was it OECD? Was it, what was it? Because I don't understand what they did and why they did it. And quite frankly, I'm disappointed in this government and I'm disappointed in myself for believing they would have done more. And I'm also disappointed in the media for completely misrepresenting what was being worked on and talked about because nobody, not a single media outlet, had any clue that this was going to hit them. And of course, now they're trying to say, oh my God, it's going to help. Don't read the headlines. Talk to your broker. Talk to me. Talk to your, your mortgage broker. Talk to a realtor. Let us, the expert, tell you how this will help you. Don't read the headlines and don't think to yourselves, oh, look, the government is helping me. I will vote the government in because they're helping me because they're not helping you. The only one that can help you is you. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Ability. Thanks for listening to my rant. I really appreciate it. I love your feedback. I'm available on facebook.com slash mortgagejake. Please reach out to me. If you have any questions, tweet me at mortgagejake. The lovers and the haters, I welcome you all with open arms. At the end of the day, all I want is a healthy dialogue between all of us to create a better housing market for everybody. Thank you again. Till the next time we meet, Mortgage Ability, Mortgage Jake is out.